Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen... I give you Stu and Blake. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we've got another sponsor to tell you about. Phil Supreme. They're a nationally recognized brand who offer only the very highest quality of natural supplements. Their extensive range includes a range of medicinal mushrooms, nootropics, anti-aging products, gut support products, green powders, vitamins, and much more. Yep, they've worked with fighters from all the top promotions, including UFC, Bellator, Brave and Cage Warriors, with a solid reputation of providing results. So check them out on Instagram, which is at Phil underscore Supreme, or their website, www.philsupreme.co.uk, and make sure you use the code MMAFAN for a cool 15% off your first order. Don't say we don't spoil you. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. How you all doing? I'm Stu Whiffin, sitting opposite me today, always with a smile on his face, Blake Harrison. Hello. Hello. Uh, yeah. Well, right? uh, yeah. I, I'm, 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 I'm chipper. I'm happy because uh, we've had we've had a couple of great interviews that we've done today. We've got more. To, this is a very busy week for us with interviews. Mm. We've got a few that are going to be like pre-recorded that are going to go out, you know, in a few weeks probably. Mm-hmm. But then we've got a bunch that are going to go out incredibly quickly. Uh, so this is a busy week for us in terms of interview, but the one you've just signed on to listen to, uh, it's a cracker. I mean, it really is a cracker. This guy has had, he's a Muay Thai guy and he's had well over a hundred fights. One, I think that 90 or more of, of those fights He's a multiple time world champion. Eight times. <laughs> Eight times world champion. I mean, it's just (laughs) unbelievable. Um, And he's got some stories. He's got loads of cracking stories. And uh, he's just a lovely bloke. It was just a really great chat. Yeah. Yeah, I was so excited for this one. And it was, and, and it absolutely delivered. Uh, He was such a crack. And yeah, we, you know, it's obviously, you know, he's famous for, for, for being this Muay Thai legend, but being so good, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 Muay Thai means that you know we 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 move into the worlds of MMA and and we find out who he's trained with and and who's reached out to him and said, look, come and teach me some Muay Thai. And oh my God, when we get to that, you get some 
some crazy stories, don't you? It's yeah. uh, it's a bit special that bit. Yeah, it's good. I mean, but there's so many. His career seems so interesting, and he seems to be such a driven guy, single-minded in his pursuit of mm. of of being the best uh, fighter that he could possibly be. And he's sacrificed things, and he's made big decisions because of that. And it's all really fascinating, fascinating stuff. So, yeah, just just kick back and enjoy the next forty odd minutes because it's a, a real corker. Um, the one little caveat I think we have to mention is that yes. around about five minutes into the interview or something, like that, every now and again, there's a little kind of like uh, connection difficulty. Uh, uh, with the sound, so they, but we get him to move, and, it, and then after that, it's brilliant. The, the sound quality. There's a couple perfect. of sentences, isn't there, that drag yeah. just a little bit, yeah. but it, it certainly doesn't sort of affect the uh, the, the, the podcast. But no. yeah, just a, a heads up that don't don't think if it drags that you're going to get that for the rest of the podcast because no. it is just uh, a, a couple at the beginning. He literally just um, moved sofas, didn't he? <laughs> he was, he, he moved sofas, it, it and fine. then it was crystal clear throughout the rest of the interview. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that sofa, but uh, but it was crystal clear for the rest of the interview. So yeah, enjoy this one, guys. It is a cracker. Shall we get on with it? Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Liam Harrison. Oh, I love how you had to introduce that one because you're such a fan, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. Oh, I appreciate your time, Liam. Really do, mate. No problem, mate. Not a problem. We've got yeah. it and they might be chasing me down a bit. <laughs> yeah. You know what I do? I, I get so bored, I put, get loads of stuff on and then I can't do any. I don't have any time to do any of it all. That's how I do it all the time. I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> Was you back out in Dubai again last week? Say again, mate. Was you back out in Dubai last week? Oh, yeah, but that one, no. There was no work going on there, mate. That was just like fucking ridiculous partying. <laughs> did you, did you, did you, you catch up with Woodham? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met Jay. I met up with Jay and them boys and uh, did a bit did a bit of filming on first day in his gym there. And then, but then the rest of it, it was just like playtime because I'd just had my fight camp. I'd had a fight and then I had stem cell treatment on my knee. So I'd not had a drink or anything for like nearly three and four months. So I've just been living clean, and then I thought, right, I'm going to go for a blowout, but then I nearly had a fucking mental breakdown. I can't do that shit anymore. I'm too old. <laughs> 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 so oh, what was the stem cell? What happened with the knee? So about, I've been in absolute agony for the last three years, mate. Like About three years ago, I tore my meniscus, and what happened was it got stuck in the back of my knee joint, so they couldn't repair it. And I said, right, we can probably, probably repair it, but you're going to be out for six months to a year. I said, I said, I ain't got six months or a year, so I need to get back in that ring, ASAP. I said, right, we can trim it away, um, and then you're going to have obviously no meniscus left, but you're going to get problems in like in later life. So that was three years ago. I'm like, right, how long will it take before I'm back in gym? And they said, oh, you'll be back in gym in like three weeks. I'm like, fuck that, right, I'd do that. I said, I'll worry about anything else when that time comes, but then like I was in pain all the time training. And then eventually, like, it had rubbed away, like, the rest of the, like, remaining cartilage and that. So I just got the stem cell treatment to try and, like, regenerate a bit of what little cartilage I had left. And even just walking about up for the last couple of years, I were in pain. Getting through a fight camp for agony. I could manage to do it, but I was masking it with, like, cortisone injections and visco supplements to keep it lubed up inside. And it was just costing, like, money every time. And I were in pain all the time. So I thought, you know what, I'll try this stem cell I know a few people would swore by it and they had similar injuries to mine and they said, oh, I got amazing results. But it all depends on like your body type, how your body reacts to it right. and, and stuff like that. I spoke to Joe Rogan about it and he said, get it done. He said, because he swore by it. Yeah. I spoke to like a doctor in Australia who like looked into it and said, no, it's a lot of shit. 
oh, I was like, fucking hell, thinking, what shall I do? He is. So, uh, so to bite the bullets, it's expensive. Yeah. Uh, but I did it. And since I've had it done, walking around, I'm not in any pain. I've started back, like, getting and doing my training slightly. I've started back boxing. I'm back doing S&C. Um, I'm back on my exercise bike. There's no pain doing any of that. And all of it was just a fucking chore last, like, for the last couple of years. Like, getting on me, like, getting on a bike or a treadmill, I was thinking, oh, God, this is going to work. But, yeah, there's no pain at all anymore now. So even if it does start to hurt during a fight camp, at least it's not hurting me when I'm just walking around like it was doing. So Yeah, I mean, that must have been agony that must have like again you're saying you're walking around that it's painful like how was it when someone kicked it well the, being kicking getting kicked on me like it wasn't too bad because as long as i held my leg like stable in a solid position and kept it strong it wasn't too bad but if someone caught me like and my leg were like a bit off balance and like my knee went into something like that that were that wasn't nice um it would just stuck me on more stuff like my s and c and my running and stuff like that so like my heavy squats on my deadlifts and and yeah. that sort of thing that that were hurting, but like my sprints, I, I because I'm quite explosive when I fight. I always think right, I need to make sure high intensity sprints, high intensity rowing machine, and stuff like that. I do a lot of stuff like that, and uh, that was that was that were awful, especially doing the hill sprints on the treadmill and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, like now it's not hurting at all anymore when I'm walking. I'm, I'm guessing there might be a bit of discomfort when I go back into a full fight camp, but for now, I'm happy with the results. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, look, normally we'd be like, we'd have a quick chat and then do like what I call the fake hello and go like, oh, now we got to pretend with it. But all that's really interesting. Are you happy if we just yeah, get it all in there? We just crack on because that's that's all really interesting stuff. That's that's fascinating yeah. stuff. Nah, but, okay, yeah, keep keep that in there, definitely. Yeah, yeah. cool. Well, uh, Stu, you want to crack on? Yeah, I just want to kind of go back to, to to the beginning, please, Liam, and just kind of first of all, sort of tell us like. Where you know where it was that you grew up, and 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 I guess how you got into fighting, and and then I'm go- I'm going to load the question as well, and, and and just tell me a little bit about Richard Smith's part in your life. Yeah, so I uh, I grew up in Leeds, born and bred in Leeds, a um, bit of a rough council estate area, a place called Harold's. Um, bit of a rough area. If you didn't know how to fight, like around there, you'd get eaten alive. To be honest, I started Thai boxing when I was thirteen. Uh, I only went to the gym because I was playing a lot of football. Like football was my my main hobby. I, I loved football. Uh, my cousin had just started Andy Alston. And he's he ended up being a he's retired now, but he ended up being a five time world champion himself. Um, so he took me down to the gym. He just this new sport I'm trying out. It's really good. To be, if one, it'll teach you a bit of self defence, and two, it'll be good for you, like, your football, for your fitness and stuff like that. It'll just keep your fitness levels up. So I know, oh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come down. I'll, I'll give it a go with you and stuff. Uh, so I went down and just like the first session, just like walking into the gym, seeing everyone like at that time, bad company. It's probably been one of the best gyms in Europe, probably for the last fifteen years. This was probably about twenty. How old am I now? This was twenty-two years ago. This when I walked into that gym, or twenty-three years ago. And even then, at that point, they still had a lot of British champions in there. They had a lot of good level fighters. So when I walked in and seen all these guys hitting the pads, I was like, oh shit, this is this is amazing. Um, then when I got to hit the pads and stuff myself, it wasn't until my first sparring session after about a month when me and Andy got to spar each other and then I thought, wow, fucking hell, this is addictive. Um, and after that first sparring session, that was it, then I was hooked. I obviously carried on playing football as well. I was playing at quite a decent level. I trialled at quite a few decent clubs like Leeds, Sheffield Wednesday and a few others and stuff like that. Uh, they had scouts looking at me. But then as soon as I had my first fight after like six months, 
that were it. Football just took the took the back back seat back step. Then then I were I was just ob- ob- literally obsessed by uh, by Thai boxing, and that were it. Obviously, the gym was run by Richard Smith, um, and uh, he were like he just like, took me under his wing. He said he'd like recognise some of my potential in me and Andy straight away as soon as we started. So yeah, I was just I was hooked, and he like he guided me because I was still being a bit of a like little naughty kid at that times, and like if I were ever being a little bastard on streets or anything like that. My dad found out. He just take me to the gym and he knew I loved the fact how much I loved Thai boxing. He said, take me to the gym and say, Richard, tell him if you don't behave, he can't come and train. And uh that was my punishment and that like kept me in line because yeah, like like I said, it was a bit of a rough area where I grew up in and like it would have been quite easy to just like stray off. Because a lot of my friends ended up in uh, like jail and barstools and and care homes and all the rest of it and stuff. So it'd have been quite easy to probably follow there their footsteps but Richard and Bad Company Jim it like kept me kept me in line right from my teen years and did, and did Muay Thai like obviously being very athletic and, and, and being very sort of you know skilled at football at that point did did you take some some, some level of sort of just a sort of core athletic ability to, to Muay Thai and and, and and did Muay Thai and I, I'm taking nothing away from how difficult it is to, to, to learn Thai boxing did it come quite easy to you like the, the training was it something that you felt comfortable doing and, and felt like you had a, a knack for or or, or a, 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 an ability to, to do for my age I was always very fast very explosive and very physically strong but technically I didn't really pick it up like that but because I was so obsessed at training now my fitness levels and my strength and my determination that's what won me a lot of my early fights but I didn't really get like technically very good until I'd had quite a few fights and I'd got been at it for a couple of years. Um, I think that was just to do with the fact that I was so obsessed by it. I was always the first one through the door and the last one to leave. And I, yeah, I had no choice other than just to get myself better technically. I didn't like, you get some people who just walk in the gym and you'll watch them kicking the punch like after a couple of sessions and be like, wow, they look like they've been at this for years. I will not like that. I was always very raw. But like I said, because I was so, I was strong and I was fast and uh, I, would, I trained harder than anyone else in the gym leaving all the adults I were always there right to the end um, so yeah that took me up the rankings early early in my career but like when I started to come across like a bit better fighters like my technical level had to go up and I had to like spend a little bit more time and I had to work less on like my power and stuff like that and work, work more on the, the technical side you mentioned your early fights there and your, your first ever fight correct me if I'm wrong your, your pro debut you were 14 years old taking on a grown man yeah. and knocked him out in about 30 seconds. I mean, yeah. for a 14-year-old boy to do that, A, you must have felt invincible. I mean, I can't imagine what a 14-year-old boy must think when he's just knocked a bloke out in his pro debut in 30 seconds. And also, that bloke is, is a grown man, not, not someone your own age. And B, can I just say, from my very kind of like geeky, non-fightery perspective, my immediate thought is, that can't be legal. <laughs> that's, that's not right. <laughs> You're so 14. So what we did, was we lied about my age because right. I had a fight. I had a fight when I was 13 when I started and I had a fight in like all these pads and stuff like that. And then my 14th birthday come and I hated it in all the pads. I said, and I said to Richard, I'm not doing that again. I said, I'm not doing it. I said, you put me in like, like against the older guys. And he, he said, right. You're pretty, he, the thing is he had a gauge and he knew I was probably strong enough and fit enough and I'd be able to fight with these guys. So it wasn't just like he was just throwing me in at the deep end. I, I was like really advanced for my age. Like 
I now I fight at uh, sixty three to sixty five kilos. When I was fourteen, I was fighting at fifty nine. So it's only like seven eight pounds difference. I, so I was similar size to what I am now. Obviously, I want didn't have as much muscle or anything, but I was still similar height and that. So I want like a small fourteen year old. I was quite big. So I said, like, look, I'm not doing that again. And then we got a call from this gym, and they said, oh, we've got a sixteen year old lad here. Um, will Liam fight him? So I said, yeah, just tell him I'm sixteen. So Rich went, all right. So we just told him we were 16 for this pro fight. So then we went to the weigh-in. We both weighed in. And then I watched him jump in his Golf GTI and drive off. And I'm like, he's clearly not 16. He just fucking drove himself to him. (laughs) 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 But but I was 14 and I had no fear at all whatsoever. I was just a bit, I was young, I was cocky, I was arrogant. I had a few couple of fights like with the pads on. I'd won them, so I was like buzzing. And then it turned out he ended up being 19, nearly 20 years old. He was, um, so he was like a man, basically. And yeah, I knocked him out in, a, I think, about, about 45 seconds-ish. I knocked him out in the first round. But so, I mean, what's the, if you're going into it with no fear, what were the emotions, if you can remember, coming out of that fight and just thinking, I'm a 14-year-old boy that's just sparked someone in my first ever fight. Like, how? what were the emotions? You you probably were a nightmare, let's be honest. Oh, honestly, I'm, I'm running around like a Viagra pill with a face, mate. That's how I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I was a right cocky little bastard. I, I think back to myself now, thinking, oh, what a knobhead. But after, uh, anyone at that age, I remember I got yeah. paid I got paid 50 quid as well for, me, for that fight. It was the first time I'd been paid, I think 50 quid, or only 40, you know, buzzing, thinking, oh, yeah, beauty, I'll spend that on loads of vodka on park later. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but, yeah, it was just like, yeah, after that, though, I got, like, into, like, a real, like, a big winning streak then. So I had that fight, and Richard just went, right, well, you're in here now, you're, in, you're fighting with the adults, let's just keep you active, keep you getting the experience, I will fight. Like, once or twice a month. I remember one time I had a football trial at Barnsley. I was playing for Leeds City Boys and the Barnsley scouts came to watch me play on the Saturday. Before the game, Richard rang me and went, right, there's a fight for you tomorrow. Do you want to fight? I was 15 at the time and it was against a, a bloke. And I, I said, yeah. He said, right, you need to come weigh in. He said, I can't weigh in. I said, I'm playing football. So my opponent weighed in the day before. I had to go to the fight on the day, weighing on the day. Even though he was miles bigger than me because he'd already rehydrated weight back on. And I'm just football on the Saturday. I said, the guy didn't want me. I scored and then I, played, I fought on the Sunday and I won the fight as well. So I was doing stuff like that, like juggling fights with football. And I was literally fighting once a month. I was having nine or ten fights a year. And then I just kept really, really active. And I went my first 29 pro fights. I went all unbeaten. I'd fought, I was the UK number one when I was 17 and then I'd gone to Japan when I was 18 and knocked out them and then I, when I were 18 I'd won my first world title under kickboxing rules and then uh, yeah that were in Italy that and again I took that on three weeks notice as well Richard just rang me and went right do you want to go to Italy and fight for a world title and I'm like oh shit yeah 100% I'd not even won a British title but I was ranked number one in the UK I'd surpassed fighting for titles basically I went straight to fight the guy who ranked number one there was no title on the line just me and him I won that fight and then I won a few other fights and then Richard went right I do you want to go to Italy and fight for a world title and I'm like yeah and then that's I just got like everything just went so fast I'm doing that first fight in 14 I'm fighting every month every month 
Next thing I know it, I was UK number one. Next thing I was fighting in Japan. Next thing I was fighting ties. Next thing I was world champion. It all just snowballed like wow. really fast. Is this the best place for you in terms of internet connection? Just because every now and again we're getting you to you're, you're freezing or, or breaking up a little bit. Oh, sorry. I'll, uh, I'll no, no, go. no. It's all right. This, this should be a bit better over here. With Wi-Fi is a bit. Wi-Fi should be right Yeah, yeah. No, don't worry. So I mean, you you're just saying there, like you you went on this huge winning streak, world champion. It must have been just so incredible for you. Did this run in such a, a short space of time as well, and at such a young age. But when you did get your first loss, how how difficult was that mentally to overcome? Did that did that really hit you hard? Because it must have been a bit of a shock considering the success you had. Yeah, um, like I said, when you get, I, I, obviously I felt invincible because yeah. I'd obviously I'd beat a couple of ties. None of them were Thai champions, but good level ties. who were decent level, and obviously ties are the pinnacle of, of this sport. Yeah. Um, so everyone wants to fight against the ties. You want to beat a tie. I'd fought a few ties and I'd beat them. I'd knocked a couple of them out. I'd been to Japan and knocked out their number one guy. I'd, I'd actually fought in Japan twice at this time. I knocked out their number one guy and I beat their number two guy on points. And then I went back again for the third time and I knocked out the number one guy again in a rematch. So I, I, I had all this experience. And then my first loss, it was when I fought a Thai champion. Uh, it was called Duao Kong Udom. And um, there were a team of ties came to England and it were like Thailand versus England and these weren't just regular like ties they were all Thai champions they were all former champions or current stadium champions and the Thai I fought because what happened is I went to fight this Thai who were a bit of a legend they were a bit older uh, he were in his late 30s um, he was still very good and he was a big legend in the sport but he was coming to the end of his career he got injured and then they were like they put in like some young up and coming monster of a tide went, oh, we've got this guy. And I'd never heard of him. And then I found out after the fight, the fight before me, he just not well, he beat the one of the biggest names in Thailand on point. So he was obviously like elite level. But I'd not heard of him, you see. So I, I was like, yeah, whatever, bring him, I'll knock him out. And in round two, I knocked him down with a left hook. And I remember at the time, I remember feeling my knuckles through the glove, hit him on the chin, and I thought, right, that's it, he won't get up. He bounced straight back up and he didn't have a gum shield in. And I remember looking across the ring at him and he smiled at me like that. He went like that. And he had blood all over his teeth. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> I thought, oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> I thought, what the fuck have I just done here? I thought, what have I done? <laughs> and honestly, he absolutely battered me. He just came, he battered me. He won round three, four and five. So then he won the, the decision on points. Um, he cut me with an elbow. He, he just absolutely just fucking wiped the floor with me. And it was the first time I'd been in a fight like that where, like, I'd either hit someone that I got back up and put it back on me. And just, like, losing for the first time, I was like, fuck me. So then I've got all these emotions rushing from here, thinking, am I not as good as I thought here? Um, can I not mix it with these guys? What, what do I have to do? So I just, like, I went back. I'd been to Thailand for, like, a couple of months at a time or a couple of weeks at a time. After that fight, like, that night, I went back home. Uh, I finished with my girlfriend, who I was seeing at the time. One week later, I went to live in Thailand. You've just glossed over that, and I was going to ask you about it, so I need to to, to say this again. You you were were you were you about eighteen at this time? Yeah, eighteen. So you're eighteen years old. You decide after you lose uh, that you're going to just go and live in Thailand. I think you did. Didn't you decide this also just before Christmas? Yeah, and you're yeah. Like, if you if you're 
mum's anything like my mum, she would have been furious with oh, you for leaving just before. Me, she was fuming, honestly. She, what do you mean? I'm, I'm, I'm off mum. It was doing my head in the fact that I just lost. And I remember being sat there. For, the, the fight, I think that fight were on 29th of November 2004. And I remember I was just sat there and I'm thinking, fucking, I was doing my head in. So a week went past and I just couldn't get it out of my head. And I all, and I'm thinking, how do I, how can I cope with these? And I thought, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm just going to fucking go to Thailand and fight with them out there and train with them in there, how they train, live how they live. And uh, that's the only way that I thought I could like, you know, get rid of the demons. Before I could have just stayed in, in England and I could have had 20, 29 other fights against good level fighters, but not the elite level fighters. Mm. And I know a lot of fighters who have done that. They've made a whole career just like fighting decent Europeans and decent fighters. And they've had a lot more wins than they've had. They're not, not many losses, but they've never like mixed it with the elite. So they'll never have that respect of people. And I thought, I don't want to do that. I thought, I'm, I don't want to be like a nearly guy. I thought, I want to be, I want to be mixing it with the Thai champions. I, I, I want to hit guys like that. And when they get up and come at me, I don't want to fall apart. I want to fucking still go on and, and beat them. And I, I couldn't get it out of my head that I'd just been absolutely beat within an inch of my life in front of all my friends and that I'm thinking I can't get I'm not having that so I just, I just, just that was the only way that I could see that I'd get these all these thoughts and all these demons out of my head because they were eating me alive at the time There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And you, you, you said, oh, I also ended a relationship, but that wasn't like a three or four month thing. And you've been together for about three years. And yeah, we've been together since I was 15. Fucking hell. I just said, I said, look, this, 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 I've got some business I need to take care of. I need to go over there and I need to put it right. I, I said, I'm sorry. I apologize, um, but I'm not going to be able I to. Mean, like, I hope that was a direct quote because you sound like you're like Liam Neeson in an action yeah. movie. Or something like that. <laughs> Sorry, love. I know I've been together for years. I've got some business to take yeah. care of. I've got a specific set of skills. <laughs> 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 yeah, to be fair, I think I'd probably wait until I'm slowing over there. I told her I'll go for an holiday. I went, right, I'm, I'm not coming home. I apologise. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. But I mean, have you always been that kind of single-minded and dedicated? Is that, has that always been part of Because that's... 
to, to uproot your whole life because you can't like compute or you can't accept that loss. You have to to progress and move forward in, in your goal and, and that kind of drive and determination of have you always been quite single minded with that? Yeah, no matter what I was doing, I'd always want to like be the best or like like when I was playing football, I wanted to like I wanted to be the best. I wanted our team to win the leagues. I wanted to play at the best level. I remember we played in a tournament when I was 13 and we played like we played Juventus because it were a, my football team were a semi-pro team. We went to uh, to France and we had half of the teams were semi-pro and the other half were pro. And we got to the semi-final and we played Juventus and the beaters on penalties. I remember I was fucking furious with the team and everyone else was just like, we we got to penalties against Juventus. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I wanted to beat Juventus. I didn't want to get to penalties and, and everyone else couldn't understand why I was so mad. And I think we should have won that. And going, yeah, but it's Juventus. I'm going, I don't fucking care. So I think I'm, <laughs> that's just my uh, my mindset. Mum, mum, we're moving. I'm moving to Juventus tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, how are you with like board games at Christmas? I wouldn't want to be on a team opposite <laughs> you at board games at Christmas. Uh, to be honest, I've got a bit of ADHD, so I get obsessed with stuff. So like, I fucking tie boxing. I am totally obsessed with. Most other stuff, I can't concentrate on for more than like thirty seconds. So board games, I'm, I'm can't, I have no chance at that stuff. So <laughs> just just touching on uh, the the move to Thailand, you know, aside from the fact that obviously you're then going to be training with the best, how was it like that? that just the well, the language barrier and the cultural differences, because you know, if you're anything like me at eighteen, I wasn't a mature switched on lad at eighteen, and like you know, how did you find them kind of? Just a complete change of like of, of of everything, really. Yeah, well, I think it was just after my nineteenth birthday. It was I would just turned nineteen. I was, and um, I remember I went to the gym and I said I've been to that gym a few times before. Just like I'd been there for like two or three weeks at a time, and I went there for two months to do like a training camp. And I fought in Japan, but I never actually fought in Thailand. Um, so when I went there, I just said, "Look, I'd seen how they treated the Thais and the Thai champions in the gym." So I said to the the coach, uh, he was called J. He had a good relationship with Richard from Bad Company and stuff. I said to him, I said, when I got there, I wanted to, I said, right, I want to live in the gym and don't treat me any different to how these guys get treated. Um, and it was tough at the beginning. Like, obviously, I didn't know any Thai language. Um, not many of the, though there were only like the gym owner who spoke English or the other Thais, none of them spoke any English. Um, there were a lot of other foreigners would come in and out of the gym but at the time I think there were only me and one other Westerner who were living there so we lived like them we got up at six o'clock every morning we went to the park and what I started to notice is after a bit what the ties would do is we'd go to the park in the morning to run around the park they'd get there they'd do a lap like one lap I'd have to do three laps and they'd just walk the rest of the time they'd walk back to the gym they'd buy a bottle of water from one of the stalls and pour it over the red and walk in the gym so I've been doing like three times what they've been doing they know they know how tired I was and then they'd see me when they got back in the gym and they'd go right Liam come on sparring or clinching <laughs> clinching and I just got I, for honestly for the first like month it's got battered every day it was horrible and then eventually I got used to the heat I uh, got used to their little tricks and stuff I got wise to what they were trying to do and stuff like that and yeah after the, about a month I started to like start holding my own and like even with the Thai champions and stuff like that and they started to see me levelling up and uh, I was getting used to it. I could train as hard as they were. I was used to the heat. I was used to the regime. I, was, I started to get used to everything then. And uh, yeah, yeah, you got to earn the respects out there. And I, I, I'd like to think I, I did that after like you know, about six weeks. I think everyone was like, oh, he's, uh, he's, he's moved up a little bit now. He's moved up a level. I think I fought there about 15 times over the space of that two years. So I was like really regular on my fights. 
I got a lot of good experience. I won a world title there against a real good good level fighter. Um, I had a few nasty experiences out there as well. Like um, obviously, I was, I was out there fighting for money. I was only eighteen, nineteen at the time. I didn't have much money saved up to go out with. I just said, like, look, I just want to fight regular for my, for my money to live here. Um, but I, I then started betting on myself in fights and stuff, and I, I bet on myself one time and I lost, so I had no money and I had to fight again three days later. Three days later, we either fight again or go back to England. Um, so yeah, like I was doing some stupid shit like that, and obviously, if I wouldn't have been betting on myself, it wouldn't have mattered. But I literally didn't have any money, so I had to fight again after three days after having a real hard, tough fight against a good level tie. And then having to fight again three days, that were like heartbreaking, really, having to do that. But it was all good experience and it got to got me to, to where I got to today, really. One of the uh, experiences that, that I think happened to you out there, which I was trying to recount to, to Blake, and uh, I'll ask you to recount the story uh, correctly, if, if possible, Limus. Um You took on a boxing match in Cambodia, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll fucking, take it that was for pan notes, right? That was fucking absolutely ridiculous, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so what I did was I used to I got I went to Thailand for six months and then I need a month off to because I'd fight like every month. So then I'd go back to England for a month. That would also like at the time it sort my visa out because my visa wouldn't last for more than six months. I'd have to leave the country. So I'd do six months, went back home for three weeks. Rested, saw my family, went back six months, and that's how I was doing it. So for the second, so this was my second stint there. So I've got back in my three weeks off in England. I'm not doing much training. I was just letting my body fully recover because I've been training six hours a day, twice a day, six days a week. I've been doing that for six months solid. I probably had six fights by the time I've been there, fighting every single month. Sometimes I'd fought twice in like the space of a couple of weeks. So my body were like in tatters. So I was going home and that was just like my rest time, letting my body fully recover, then go back to Thailand. So I got back, I'd literally been in the gym half an hour. And then what happened in that gym more, because there were a lot of foreigners who trained there. The promoters had come round to have a look at the foreigners and see who were there. So this foreigner, this promoter came in and he saw me training a little bit. He went, oh, I want him to fight boxing in, uh, in two weeks. So my coach comes over and says, oh, you want to fight boxing? I said, nah, <laughs> no, I've never, I've never fought boxing. I said, I don't know what I'm doing. And he went, nah, nah, it's, it's good money. I said, look, I'm not bothered. I've never fought boxing. He said, it's double the money that you'll get for Thai boxing. I went, ah, oh, fuck it, go on then. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, he said, don't worry. You're fighting a Cambodian guy. He's not very strong. You'll, you'll knock him out. Um, everything will be all right. And you'll get like double the money you'd have got, and then you can fight Thai boxing afterwards. And I thought, oh, all right, okay. So I started training for the fight, and I was saying that we had a we had a boxing coach in the gym. So I put I got some boxing boots on and went to start training with him. And my Thai coach went, no, just train like you're training for a Thai boxing fight. So I'm not I'm having a Thai boxing fight though, but yeah, but Thai boxing's harder, so you'll be fitter. So I thought, eh, but where's the logic coming from here? Like, it's fucking ridiculous. But eh, I'm not, I thought, I'm not training. I said, I need, I said, I need to learn how to move my head and stuff because in Thai boxing, obviously, there's not much, you're pretty stationary and you, you square on and you just fucking fight. In boxing, you can't just stand there like because you'll get your lights punched out. So what he made me do was, he made me train Thai boxing for the first two hours and then for the last hour, he just let me go with the boxing coach and then we just worked some, like head movement and boxing pads and stuff like that. And I, I, I saw what he meant by 
obviously tie up the tidy, you're kicking your knee and it's a lot more explosive and it is a lot harder than just punching when you're on the pads and stuff, but still uh, it was probably not the, the smartest thing to do really. So then I said to my coach, I went, right, when we're leaving for Cambodia, is it like the day before the fight? And he said, oh, I can't come. So I said, why? And he said, oh, well, what they want to do is because you're a Westerner and it's going on live on Cambodian TV, they want to like make it look like they've flown you in from England. So you need to go with another Westerner from gym. So it looks like two English people have come together. And I thought, for fuck's sake, <laughs> the only other Westerner in the gym at the time was my friend from Australia, who was a BJJ champion. And he only had three fights, Thai boxing. So I'm thinking, fuck me, he's not, he's not very experienced. I've got to go to the edge with him. I have him in my corner. No one else is going to be in my corner. I've never fought boxing. I'm going to need some sort of experience there. When shit hits the fan, then I start losing my fucking rags. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so anyway, we hopped on this little propeller plane. We've, we were like one of those, not I'm going to eat a little shitty easy jet planes. You'll get to, uh, from over to Belfast or something like that. No, with propellers. Hopped on that. And I, I could not get out of my head when that landed. Not TV were there and that. How the fuck have they fought a propeller plane has got all the way from England? I couldn't get it out of my head. <laughs> I just could That's all I could get in my head. And then I turned up. And, and I remember my coach had said to me, the fight, I at the time, I was fighting at 63 kilos. He went, don't worry, this fight's at 67, so you don't have to lose much weight. Oh, he's probably going to be a bit big. So I've turned up. All these new cam- TV cameras have met me and stuff like that. And they pulled me, give me a newspaper, and he, the guy I'm fighting, he's in the, the centre pages, a big spread of him. He's got belts and trophies and all sorts all over. He was the Cambodian boxing champion. So I thought, I have been stitched up big time here. I thought, I've been stitched up so bad. So I called my my uh, my coach back in Thailand. I said, what the fuck is going on here? I said, what have you done to me here? He went, don't worry, he's not good. So I'm like, all right, okay. So I went to the weigh-in. I were, at the time, I was 67 kilos. I jumped on the scales for like a pr- little pre-weighing, like an hour before weighing, just to see what weight I was. And I think I were, I thought I was fine at 67. I was 67.3. So I started putting the sweatsuit on because I thought, oh, I've got to get the point three off. And they went, oh, no, no, what are you doing? I said, I'm too heavy. I need to lose the weight. And they went, no, you're too light. You're fighting at 69. I went, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I thought he's going to be absolutely massive, this guy. And he was well, fucking huge when we came when he came out to fight. So in round one, I remember thinking, right, I'll try and move my head a little bit. The first punch he threw hit me straight in the middle of my face and it brought my nose. So I thought, oh fucking hell, this is gonna be a long night, this. So I, I just stood there and I was just swinging my arms everywhere. For the first two rounds, I got pinged all over. And then right at the end of round two, he walked straight onto a left hook and he, he dropped like a sack of shit and he were he were he were gone. He were totally out. The the eight count lasted about 30 seconds. The referee like picked him back off the floor. So I ran in again to finish him. I've knocked him down again, so he got another count. The referee picked him off the floor again, took him to his corner and let him have a drink. So I was, <laughs> I was kicking and screaming what? and carrying on. <laughs> and then the bell went, so he survived the round. I knocked him down again in round four and then knocked him down again in round six because he never really recovered. Uh, and I was lucky, really, because if he did recover... I was getting pinged all over in early two rounds. I'd have probably got battered. But yeah, that was just a crazy experience. But weird shit like that happened all the time in Thailand. Like you end up just like going out into like, you'd fight in some of the big stadiums and some like real big prestigious events. And then maybe like a couple of weeks later, the last year you go fight in these like in middle of woods in nowhere. And like some little guy will just want to bet a lot of money. They're like, your guy versus this guy, let's bet a lot of money. And there's going to be no TV cameras, not a big show. Let's just go fight. Um, 
but like all them them stories, that's life experience as well as fight experience, stuff like that. And a lot of fighters nowadays will just come straight up the ranks and got signed straight to big promotions and they will ever have the the chance to have these like experiences like we had like like at the time there were me and my best friend living live, well, my best friend right coming back and forward, but he did a lot of these these country fights. He'd just fight and then they'd go take him out to the country and he'd have a lot lots of crazy fights out there and stuff. But I think all their that's just part of like getting to 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 the top, I think, all them experiences like that. Did did you ever worry about like if you like again, because you, what you're saying is effectively out there. It was a bit underground. It wasn't. Oh, yeah, reg- yeah. It wasn't regulated, and yeah. th- dare I say, maybe some illegal hands were involved. Yeah, probably. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, did you ever have a moment where you're like, "Oh shit, I've just smashed this guy, and uh, Joe Bloggs over there has bet loads of money on him. Uh, are we going to get out of here all right, or anything?" The, do you know what? When you're fighting, the main thing is. That's in the stadiums when stuff like that's happening, the main stadiums. So, like, there's so much money that changes hands there. With them little country fights, you might have, like, I don't know, 100 people around ring or something like that. But then on the main stadium fights, if you're fighting, say, like, on a Thursday night, which a few times I did, that's a big night in um, Rajadamna in the stadium, you're going to have three, 4,000 gamblers there, hardcore gamblers, there'll be mafia ties going in and stuff like that. That's when, like, all that, you're thinking, oh, fucking hell, this is a big crazy this stuff I never really worried too much like in them country fights because they were like you might get 100, 100 or 200 people around ring I was doing it for more for experience I'd not bet a lot of money on myself um, they were like oh, it might have been one or two guys who wanted to bet they'd probably known each other anyway but in the stadium when there's like three, 4,000 and it's just packed out and there's so much money changing hands that's when like uh, there's a lot of underhand tactics that go on there and stuff like you hear about fighters getting given a drink before the fight and they've, they've been poisoned and stuff like that no to try and Yeah, you hear that a lot. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow, I mean, I mean, not that anyone's ever going to question your your you know your physical strength, but I want to talk a little bit about sort of mental strength and and can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with with Vinnie Shawman um, and 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 ha- why you know because you, you don't hear many fighters talk about sort of having a mind coach and 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 the benefits of that and I just you know if if you don't mind telling us like what does that entail and like and what have been the benefits of that so. Vinny, uh, he'd been started, me and him have been friends since I was 15, 16. He was one of the coaches at a, a gym I used to go train at sometimes. Uh, me and him, like, we hit off straight away. And we just, like, had a, had a really good bond and a really good friendship. He'd started doing the man coaching quite a bit before I first went to him um, and seen some of the success he'd had with other fighters. But I always thought to myself that I was so, like, mentally strong that I, I never needed it. Um it wasn't until I had a fight in 2009, uh, 25th of June, 2009, I remember, I won't ever forget it, against a, fight, a Thai fighter called Anuat. Um, and this was the first time I ever lost a fight by stoppage. It was in Jamaica. Um, I won't go into the details too much because it was just a, a weird experience fighting in Jamaica. Like It was, it was just so chilled. And I, I ended up fighting him at like three in the morning. 
It, everything was just so late and, it, and he just absolutely obliterated me and I'm like what the fuck just happened then or like how has that happened and at the time I must have had about 50, 50 fights I'd won two or three world titles and I was uh, I'd never been stopped I'd never come close to getting stopped um, and he just absolutely obliterated me now Anawat was a tie who had like a 70% knockout ratio he's one of the hardest hitting ties of probably of all time um, but Still, to me, it just, I thought, no, that's still not acceptable. I know everyone was saying, oh, don't worry, it's Anawat. He knocks everyone out. I thought, no, that is not acceptable. Um, I knew I could beat him. So what I did was I asked the promoter in England. I said, bring him to England. I said, please bring him to England. I knew there were a big show coming up about five months later down the line. I said, let me fight him on this show. It was at MEN Arena in Manchester. Um, it were absolutely packed out. I said, I want to fight him there in front of all my friends, all my family because I started getting slagged off on the internet after this fight. That was the first time I'd ever been like trolled online because it was the first time I'd ever been stopped. Everyone might say, no, maybe Liam ain't as good as we all thought. Um, maybe this, that and other. Maybe he's like, maybe he's fucking, he's, he's had his day. And I'm thinking, I've had his day. I thought, I'm only 23 or something. Or 24. <laughs> I had his day. I thought, fuck me, no, 23 or what? I thought, how have I had my day? So I thought, you know what, I'll show these. I thought, get him in England, in front of all my friends, all my family. On this massive show, everyone will be there and everyone can see it. And then in the build-up to the fight, Vinny said, do you want to do some work? And I thought, you know what? I know I'm going to train harder than ever, but there's no, no harm in trying to get my mind as strong as my, as my body and stuff like that. Because it was a fucking hard pill to swallow. I'll be having getting stopped for the first time. That It was like similar to like tasting defeat for the first time because back then when I was 18, I thought I was invincible. Then I thought, right, okay, I, I can be beat. But I'd never been knocked out. Or well, I didn't get knocked out. I got stopped. So I got like TKO'd in round three, and that was that was a very, very hard pill to swallow when that happened. It's like oh, fucking hell, and maybe I'm just not as as tough as I thought I was. But yeah, we did a, like a a lot of like mind work and stuff for the rematch, and it, it'll be catered different to everyone because everyone's will have different stuff that they want to achieve or have different problems going into a fight or different worries and stuff like that mine was specifically just for to fight this man um he put a few key words in there one of the words was warrior and um he told my corner team to keep keep saying warrior keep saying warrior to him and it's hard to explain what he did but like a lot of like different hypnotherapy like techniques and stuff like that and it it worked to treat anyway because i won the rematch like really convincingly and it was uh, one of my best performances. But I got hit with a left hook in round four, which rocked me a little bit. And then after the fight, I collapsed in the after party and the ambulance came and took me to hospital and I had a really bad concussion. And I, I am so sure that in my head that if I wouldn't have had the word warrior in there, that shot would have knocked me out um, because I had to stay in hospital overnight. My girlfriend had to stay in with me and had to like, get monitored all night and stuff like that. It was like, one of the worst concussions I've ever had. But... Um, but yeah, at the time in the fight, my, my mindset was just so impenetrable. No matter what he hit me with, I walked through it and I went on to win on points quite convincingly as well. How, how scary was that? Like, if, if you'd you've taken in to hospital in like an ambulance or whatever, in uh, because of a concussion at the after party, not not during the fight. But yeah, the I didn't other, even get a fucking. How scary pint was that? I had a pint in me and I went to sip it and went, Ugh, passed out. <laughs> <laughs> I was devastated. Biggest win of but, my career. I wanted to celebrate, but at the time, I didn't think it was that scary. At the time. I just thought, oh, I'm a bit dehydrated or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then I, when I watched the fight back and I seen him hit me with that left hook in round four, I was like, ah, yeah, that, that does explain, explains a lot. Like, um, But yeah, I just wanted, I, on, at the time, I, I wasn't too worried because I was just so, 
until I, when I got into the hospital and stuff, I started to come round and I started to feel a little bit better. Uh, at the time, I just felt like shit and I don't think I really knew what was going on or a bit dizzy or a bit like out of it. But then when I were in the hospital and I started to come round a bit, I just wanted to fucking get back to the hotel and celebrate my win. And <laughs> I would go in out of the fighters were in there celebrating. I'm thinking, I've just main event, MEN Arena. It's the biggest win of my career against one of the best known ties. And I can't even celebrate it. I remember I got out of hospital at like seven in the morning and then there were a few fighters who were still up fucked. I thought, oh, I've missed it all now. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, all joking aside, have you, did you kind of take it like afterwards did, has that kind of impacted you in any way since just to go god I, I need to be careful or i need to kind of think about the the long-term effects of what i'm doing no um i've never i've never been like ever ever gone into a fight or before a fight i've never ever once worried about what might happen to me um i don't know why that's just not i know i've known quite a few fighters who've got a little bit older and started to worry about getting hurt and stuff like that uh, that is just something that never ever popped into my head and it, it never has done. Um, people say to me, because my style when I fight is hard punches, hard leg kicks. I've, I've stopped a lot of people with leg kicks. So people always say to me, are you worried about breaking your shin? And said, no, ne- I've never ever mm. once worried about breaking my shin. Um, and I don't worry about getting knocked out or a, con- a concussion or, or or possible like brain injuries. Because I know it does happen, but it's just something that never ever enters my head. Um the day that something like that does enter my head, I think that might be the time to maybe think, right, yeah. are you questioning what you're doing here? Because if you are, there's, there's, you can't be doing, you can't be going into a ring with questions, mm-hmm. like, then you are going to get hurt. So maybe then that is time to, to call it a day. Because I know a few fighters who've done that have started to say, well, what happened? How come you didn't you didn't perform? And they said, oh, I was worried about getting hurt. And then they've retired. Right. Um, I think when that does creep into my head, then that will be the time to, to call it a day. Okay. We... we uh... We'd normally talk to, to mixed martial artists on this podcast. We predominantly talk about MMA. And one of the big things in MMA at the moment seems to be the calf kick. Yeah. Everyone's going on about the calf kick. I don't know if you watch much MMA or if you just solely watch like Muay Thai or anything like no, that. No, I do, I do watch it. But there's a huge narrative going on at the moment. Like the calf kick is so damaging. I mean, some people have even said they want to make it illegal, which sounds crazy. But... As a Muay Thai guy, you don't you don't see the calf kick have the same kind of effect. Is that because it's just it's checked more efficiently in Muay Thai, so people don't use it enough? Like what what what, what are the MMA guys doing wrong? Is is this, I suppose what I'm asking? So the couple of reasons, like the MMA stance, their stance is a little bit wider, so they can't get the leg up as good to block as the Muay Thai stance can. Because we're narrow stance, you see, we don't have to worry about getting taken down or anything like that. So that I can see what they're trying to do, but because their stance is wider, when they lift their leg up a little bit, you're going to kick their knee. If they just they react a little bit, you're going to kick the knee. Um, so it has to be set up a little bit better. I think a lot of fighters are trying to do it and they don't set it up. They just fucking launch it. And that's why they're breaking the shins, some of them, and not snapping the legs and stuff like that. If you are going to do it, I'd try and set it up with like some punches or some fakes or something like that. I wouldn't just like literally try and volley it straight away. But again, like, it's like I say, it's the it's the stance because MMA fighters just the stance is so wide and they can't lift the leg fast to block. They, just, that, they are open to it, but if they do lift the leg up a little bit, you're gonna kick the knee and it's gonna fucking hurt. But so from the from the perspective of the person receiving uh, the calf kick, you think as long as they're checking it, they'll be right. It's the person opposite that will deal with with the damage of that. Because what what we're seeing mostly is, I know there has been a few leg breaks of late. We obviously had we had Connor, although I don't think that was necessarily to a calf kick. But 
but Uriah Hall was the main one against yeah, that uh, one horrible or Chris one, yeah. Chris Weidman and, and Uriah yeah. Hall. But um but a lot of what we're seeing is people receiving the calf kick and very quickly after three or four calf kicks like not being able to walk properly or having that drop yeah. foot thing happening. And from your perspective, you think, well, as long as you're checking that, you, you should be fine. Yeah. In Thai boxing, we will stand with his leg like slightly out a little bit. So we don't, we, when we lift our leg, it's bone on bone. It's, we usually get caught yeah. on the muscle. If you are lifting your leg up and you're getting caught on the side, in, Thai, in Muay Thai, you're blocking wrong, really. So yeah. I'd be telling them just to keep the leg out. Still, if you're fighting someone who you know is going to like try and kick your calf, I'd tell them to keep your leg just out. Imagine a clock in front of you. I'd tell them to keep the leg facing 11 o'clock. So when you do just lift it once, they're going to kick nothing but bone. And once you kick bone on bone, whether it's shin on shin or knee on shin, knee on shin's the worst. If you do that once or twice, they won't, they'll stop kicking you 100%. I, I watched um, Edson Barboza's last fight and he was just slinging them everywhere. And I was thinking, oh my God, this must, he must not be able to walk the next day. But he's done that his whole career, hasn't he? Yeah, so he's, yeah. he's, he's the master of just like fucking smashing people's legs. Um, but yeah, his last fight, I remember I could see him going for it every time. And he was kicking knee, thigh, hip, car. He was just kicking anywhere that he could. Are, are there MMA fighters that you particularly enjoy watching? Um, I'm really looking forward to Oliviera versus Poirier. Oh, I'm really yes. looking forward to that. Yeah. Because Oliviera, he's like a fucking rags to riches story. He got cut, didn't he? I'm sure he got cut before. He had a big lot sure of losing streak. He had a losing streak, though, didn't he? Yeah, down and, at and, featherweight. Since going up to lightweight, he's done a lot Yeah, better. exactly. He had that losing streak, and then he's just come back. And I think he's got the most subs in the in the history. And he got so he might, he's up there with the most knockouts as well. I think now. I don't know. I definitely think he's up there with the subs, if not yeah, even top of, of of the subs. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoy watching him. I'm looking forward to him versus Poirier. Um, oh, Jose Aldo fights this weekend. I used to love watching him in his uh, prime, and I won't show yeah. whether he's just gone past gone past it. But his last fight, he looked good again. Um, yeah, he's looking great at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah, it's a interested, big I'm interested in seeing how Cody Garbrandt does now he's gone down weight because mm. fucking hell I saw a picture of him the day and he looked gone already and he's still well, a week yeah. out yeah and look at what happened with TJ Dillashaw he went on the EPO didn't he to get exactly. down to 125 so yeah. I, I think that's quite fascinating because I think you know Garbrandt's had a tough run of it lately with like he's only won one of his last five but then that is against elite competition he's lost twice to TJ uh, the Munoz loss and then Oh, what was the other loss? Rob Font and Rob Font. Font. Yeah. yeah. Rob Font. And Font is on a tear. Yeah. Font's fighting soon as well. And he was he Aldo. He's fighting Aldo. Aldo. Yeah, yeah, Aldo. Saturday. yeah. That's a tough yeah. fight for Aldo, isn't it? That one, to be fair. Oh, yeah. But I think that, I mean, that, yeah, it's, but, I mean, it's nice that you, you clearly are an MMA fan as well. You, you enjoy watching that. You've just listed a bunch of fighters that you like watching. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I enjoy watching MMA, to be fair. I enjoy watching more of the strikers. Obviously, because yeah. that's that's what I do. But I appreciate like what goes into the groundwork and yeah. all that sort of. Although not, I don't like to watch it myself, I understand how hard it is because I yeah. I did one wrestling class before, and I thought, oh, because I know how to clinch in Thai boxing, it's just same. But like you might be on the floor, I got slung all over by some geezer who were about fucking twenty pounds lighter than me. It were embarrassing as fuck. <laughs> I thought I'm never going right, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> Have you had any sort of like mixed martial artists sort of reach out to you? Because obviously your stand up's like such a high level. Like and, and obviously Muay Thai is a is a is a key factor in lots of mixed martial artists uh, approach to their techniques and stuff. Is uh, sort of any MMA fighters ever reached out to I've you? Worked, I've worked with quite a few UFC guys. 
Um, I, I went, I flown out to America and I did a bit with uh, Brian Ortega, T-City. He, uh, oh, wow. I did some work with him. But I could not believe when I went to train with him. I was out in America. Um, I was meant to be going to do some work with Cody. And he said, oh, can you come here first? He said, uh, I've, I've seen you here. I want, I want to do a bit with you. So I turned up to train him and he'd never done Muay Thai. I was like, eh? I said, what do you mean? I said, you're like ranked number two in the UFC. He said, oh, I've only ever done boxing and jiu-jitsu. I said, I just saw you knock someone out with an elbow in your last fight. He went, fluke. He said, no one's ever shown me how to throw an elbow. <laughs> Fucking hell, I really? I could, honestly, I swear, I couldn't believe it. And then he was like, when we were working, we trained for about three hours because there was so much that I wanted to try and show him in that in the time that we had. And he was just like a sponge soaking it all up. I think, oh, I'd fucking I'd love to like just stay these like for three, four months just to you know get you a few just a little just a little few little fucking yeah. things that you could pick up. But yeah, I honestly I couldn't believe it because watching these fights with Holloway and people like that, I'm thinking, eh, how on earth have you never done Muay Thai? But you've, your stand up is like so good. And then when I went back and watched the fights with Holloway and that, and I'm, I'm thinking, oh well, he's just boxing really and stuff. Mm. Mm. And we was, were you training with him before the Volkanovski fight? Was that the, the fight you were training with him? For? No, he asked me to go out and do his camp with him for that fight. But because of all the bullshit travel restrictions and stuff, it's been too hard for me to, to get out there and stuff. Yeah. So I couldn't help. I would have liked to help for that fight. Yeah. I mean, that was a fight of the year. What a fight that was. Me, mate. How did he get out of them chokes and stuff? Oh, I've oh, never unbelievable, ever seen mate. It was um, but like twice. It was the, was it the guillotine and then the triangle, and you're just like Jesus Christ, unbelievable stuff. That was round three, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was, that round yeah. was absolutely unbelievable. And I tell you what, Brian Ortega is one hard, hard man because he took some serious punishment. Oh, yeah, in yeah. I mean, yeah, it, that was crazy. I mean, Liam, we've we, I'm really aware of we've probably gone over the amount of time uh, that we had with you, but we, I mean, we really appreciate uh, uh, your time. I would love to end with one question, if you don't mind. Um, just, I wanted to just ask, like, because we, it's quite a, a deep question, really, and we we asked this to Dan Hardy a little while ago as well. And yeah, we, uh, I still know people that say to me when I talk about like combat sports, MMA, anything like that, they think of it as as barbaric or you know something that we as a society should have should have evolved past that by now. And I, I wanted to ask you, you know, just like, why do you think? combat sports are important uh, not just for individuals in terms of like keeping fit all that stuff but from a societal perspective like is there something in it where you can say i feel combat sports actually benefits society in some ways yeah i I believe they do um confidence discipline they keep you in check like you can't just walk into a gym if you're like a street kid arrogant chip on your shoulder you can't just walk into a gym full of MMA fighters or tie boxers or kickboxers and then you start shouting your mouth for now. You're going to get brought back down to earth with a serious fucking smash off the floor. They teach you respect and discipline mainly. That's what I, that's what I think. They, taught, they, they brought me off the streets and stopped me being a little bastard when I was younger and stuff like that. So, yeah, they, they, taught, they taught me discipline. They taught me to re- respect. Um, I respected like my, my coaches and my elders in the gym when I was younger and my, waking my way up and stuff like that. Um, I never like disrespect some of the older fighters, even though when I started to surpass them in my career and stuff like that, they, I still looked up to them. They were still like fucking heroes to me, even though I'd started like doing like winning more titles and they did winning more fights and stuff. It, I still had that respect for them. Um, and so yeah, respect and discipline really. That's what that's what I think it, it brings hundred percent. Wonderful. The, the discipline part of, comes in the training stuff like that. 
that just goes into every walk of life. Because if you're going to be disciplined enough to get up at 5 a.m. and go running, if you're going to be disciplined enough to spar and train, if you're going to be disciplined enough to diet and watch what you're eating and lose fucking 10 kilos over the space of a month because you need to make weight, you're going to, you can be disciplined enough to do anything in life. If you can put yourself in your body through that sort of stuff, then anything else should be pretty easy for you to get hold of. Wonderful. Liam, can't wait to see where where you go next in your career. And honestly, thanks so much for giving up your time tonight, mate. It's been an absolute joy and a pleasure talking to you, mate. Not a problem, mate. Next fight's on April 3rd and fighting for the WBC uh, Diamond World title. And April 3rd? April 3rd. In London, yeah, in London. Whereabouts in London? Do you know where? Uh, it's at the O2 Indigo. Brilliant. And what, do you know if that'll be something people can watch at home as well? Is there in like a stream it, or anything? It like? should be. Pay- the last show that I fought on last month was pay-per-view, so this one should be as well. Brilliant. Well, look, let, let us know when you know all the details for that and we'll put it on our socials as well, mate. Just to, thanks so much and best of luck with the fight. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Thanks loads, mate. Oh, what an absolute joy. Um, what a legend. Yeah. Like, just know you just think someone's you know still fighting for world titles and and has got such a history of fights and and what that you know he touched on the life experience but what you also got there was like just some great stories you know jumping on a propeller plane to go to cambodia to to box like just crackers yeah uh absolutely brilliant like i was super hyped for this one obviously you know i'm a muay thai fan so it was uh you know got to got to speak to the legend today so i'm i'm buzzing mate well yeah i mean i didn't know whether to say anything to us because i know that as soon as this potentially came up you were giddy because again you you <laughs> train like i'm more i i I only really watch MMA. I don't really watch much boxing yeah. or Muay Thai or any of that stuff. And you know, I'm, I'm MMA, and that's that's me. And, yeah. But you, you train Muay Thai. You've been a big Muay Thai for a fan for a long time. And Liam Harrison is someone. You know, if, if I had said to you when we started this podcast, you're going to get to interview Liam Harrison, you probably yeah. would have been over the moon. So, like, how, that, that must be an amazing thing for you, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it was absolutely great, and he just delivered. He was just like so interesting, and yeah, and just uh, as you said, you know, uh, I don't even know if you said that when we pressed stop, but could have spoke for hours. Ah, oh, like yeah, yeah, absolutely, like re- full of stories and some really interesting insights into like the calf kicks in MMA, mm. the fact that Brian Ortega had never trained Muay Thai. <laughs> That's absolutely crazy nuts. Fact. That's crazy. How did you just won your last fight with an elbow, well, fluke. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's nuts. And it sounds like... Um, um, one thing I know you wanted to ask him and we didn't get to, maybe hopefully we'll have him again on at, at some point about... He does seminars all yeah. over the world and talks of, you know, training all these different people. I'm sure that, you know, Ortega's not the only MMA guy he's, he's gone to help and has trained with. And well, that was a stop-off, wasn't it? En route to Garbrandt, if I remember yes, rightly. yeah, you're right. So, I mean, oh, fascinating stuff. I mean, as I say, when someone's got that much experience in, in the fight game and is so, so well-respected across all uh, the, the, the combat sports, they'll look to Muay Thai and they'll think of someone like Liam Harrison. Um... That's that's got to open so many doors for you in terms of like meeting other people of a similar level in other combat mm. sports and uh, 
the stories he must have there must have been loads of there must be so many stories as well where you're like I bet you can't tell that one <laughs> do you know what I mean 100% <laughs> well, we, we need to meet him in person have a few drinks turn the mics off and just be like come on and really tell us some good stories absolutely absolutely well um, that's all today folks um, go check out the back catalogue um, 70 plus episodes with some of uh, your favourite MMA fighters, some of your favourite people from the world of uh, TV, film and music that we've had on doing the uh, the Fight or Flight episodes. And uh, and we do lots of pre and post big event shows and normally we bring in Scroobius Pip and Brian Lacey for them chats as well. So they're a lot of fun as well. Um, but yeah, we're on all the social medias, uh, all the platforms even. We're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. So give us a like, love, share, retweet and a follow, obviously. And most of all, subscribe to the podcast, either on your preferred platform that you get your uh, podcast from or YouTube. We're on YouTube. You can watch this. If you want to watch it, head over to YouTube, search MMA Fan Podcast, and you can watch our chat with Liam. There you go. We're done. We're done. Laters. Bye. Bye.